Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Beautiful Game Podcast. Unfortunately, Budge is not here, but I'm with Dej. How are you, Dej? I'm doing well, Dot. I'm very, very well today. I mean, the guest that we've got today is, <laughs> I mean, he needs no introduction really, but um, yeah, how are you doing, Dot? I'm, I'm good, man. It's been, you know, a late one, but I'm excited for this one. I'm happy to have this guest in the building. Um, he's at the Associated Press. Um he was telling us off air that he's just got a brand new title. <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to introduce global sports correspondent at AP, Rob Harris. Welcome to the platform, Rob. Welcome. Great to join you. Happy to have you, Rob. Um, first of all, we're going to go straight into the weekend's game. Um, you at the Chelsea game, right? Yeah, I was. How was it? T- tell us a bit about it. Well, it was interesting the, the sort of homecoming for Lampard, everyone was so excited, this like f- new era starting and particularly like the first 15, 20 minutes seemed to be really spurred by the super Frank Lampard <laughs> chance, everyone really getting into it, the sun was shining, it's getting sunburnt in the press box. <laughs> <laughs> I think the game sort of then followed the the mood of the weather as well as it sort of gradually got sort of greyer and, and rainy and really you felt that the impact of going to extra time and penalties in Istanbul for the Super yeah, Cup yeah. as uh, that sort of early momentum and that sort of really energetic start um, took it out of them. I mean, if they probably got a second early on, probably could mm. have put the game away, but as we saw, Leicester did fight back. Dad, what did you think of the game? I thought it was an interesting game. Obviously, first half, you know, Chelsea actually dominated. As Rob said, they could have got a second and built from that. But in the second half, we probably saw their midweek exertions against Liverpool take a, take a toll on them. And credit to Leicester, they actually came into the game and they started to dominate. And it was a, it was a fascinating game because it was two open sides, two sides looking to play football. But again, we saw remnants of last week's game against Manchester United. When Chelsea lose that ball on the counter-attack, <laughs> they're very, very vulnerable. And mm. to be fair, Leicester should have won the game, in my opinion. Yeah, Madison was really sort of punishing them when he got into yeah, that number 10. Is it, is it only me, but I feel that Madison was kind of wasteful in that game because he got into so many you know positions in the final third and he just didn't quite get that pass or you know, the shot that he blazed over. Do you think that's something that he needs to improve in his game in terms of, like, the composure in the final third to make you, like, a top player, to elevate you from a good player to potentially a top player? Yeah, I mean, you know, you've got to have that sort of accuracy and that ability to constantly make an impact through the game. You can't just sort of drift in and out of Mm -hmm. the game. But he certainly, you know, the second half, he really seemed to find his feet in there. I mean, obviously, they did only fall behind from that mistake. mistake You know, and um, I mean, it was a bit hard to judge Chelsea so early on. I mean, a lot of people mm-hmm. looking at how's Pulisic doing, and I was very surprised that Lampard then, after the game, started to sort of say, "Well, you know, about missing 
hazard and yeah you don't want to start drawing comparisons or oh, you, of course you know, stop. it's like a defeatist mentality yeah. is that what you're trying to say like yeah we're going to struggle basically that's that's basically what i was trying to say at, at the end of the game right like we're missing hazard we're missing the quality so don't expect much from us is that the feeling you got and it's going to take time while he kept on saying i'm not making excuses but <laughs> i mean particularly a lot of people are going to start judging politics i think you've just got to give him time to settle new league new surroundings and you know some good bit of movement in that early spell when they were dominating but then you know the moment series being run around a bit mm. but uh you know chelsea certainly see him as the Big hope for the future. And, um, you know, it's good to see the fact Mount had a good game as well. Yeah, that was really encouraging. Yeah. And and finally, we are getting the English players getting opportunities as well. Is it me or does it feel like Brendan Brendan Rodgers is the perfect Chelsea manager? In my opinion, I feel that Lampard is pretty much trying to mirror his game on the, the type of football that Brendan plays. Attacking aggressive football, passing out from the back, high tempo in the midfield pressing what what do you feel Rob yeah I mean I suppose Brendan might have hoped that now was his time to come back into a job higher up the Premier League obviously he took the Leicester job because that was the opportunity that you had after yeah but don't you think if Chelsea actually went for him in the summer do you think he would have went to Chelsea? Oh, that would, that would be interesting. He's, he's got enough enemies up in uh, Scotland having sort of <laughs> left with all the ability to complete yes. the treble, yeah. treble. And uh, I suppose that's the thing of a manager. You never know when opportunities are going to come up. Mm. Although you probably actually you do. knew the you Chelsea job the loop, yeah. with Sarri was, um, there was going to be a vacancy there in the summer. But it's probably probably too soon. I mean, yeah. you know, he's certainly putting himself out for the uh, Arsenal job after Wenger, who, you know, he was being linked quite heavily. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. You know, certainly keen on the links there and, you know, that big return to the, to the well, top four, top six in particular, the way it all ended at Liverpool. Yeah, So yeah. close to the title. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he certainly sees himself as a manager who should be up there pushing for, uh, for the big titles. The question is, you know, will Leicester always have that limit? It's going to be so hard to possible for many years come to replicate what happened in 2016 even to break into the top six is going yep. to be yep. pretty tough Dej, this is more of a question for you do you feel that Leicester can break into the top six in terms of what you're seeing from from their team let's analyze the game um maybe you might want to reference back to the game but in terms of the two teams who look like the better team of course Leicester and that's because they've had more time to work under Brendan Rodgers I mean, he had the whole pre-season and the back end of last season to actually work on his, you know, his starting eleven and mm. what he wants them to do. And I think when you look at that Leicester side, there's so much scope for growth. I mean, most of their players are young. When you look at the midfield, you've got Chowdhury, you've got Tillemans, you've got Madison. It's only really Jamie Vardy in that attacking force that's actually, you know, over 30 and mm. if I was analysing the game just to go back into I mean the goal the first goal is really scruffy and indeed he was beating himself up all game even mm. after the game he came out he was head down mm. he was upset I mean, vacant I, I've been coached at a decent level and as a midfielder you're meant to come on a 90 degree angle so you can you know look at the ball and look at the pitch and he came square on so he was very unaware of his surroundings so mm. Mason Mount pounced upon him and Frank Lampard would have been very, very impressed with that from Mason Mount because that's part of his attacking play to press and force the opposition into mistakes. So I'm, I'm going to throw this question out there. Do you feel 1-1 was a fair result or do you feel Leicester should have won or do you feel Chelsea should have won? I, personally, I feel that Leicester should have won that match. They were the better team. I don't think you can say, oh, Chelsea in the first 20 minutes done this and that. But over the course of the 90 minutes, Leicester played better than Chelsea, in my opinion. Yeah, I think these are the games that are actually going to determine can Chelsea get back in the top four again. I mean, it was it was actually quite a struggle, obviously, to force the way up to third last season, and you've got to you've probably got to be beating Leicester at home to get those mm. points in the bag. Yeah, and, but and there were Rob, when, well. but when I saw that yeah. game, I was thinking this is a nasty game. Like you know, Leicester they're made away from mm-hmm. home, they're tailor made to come. They've got the counter attacking pace. They've got the brilliant fullbacks. I knew. I predicted 1-1 and I got it spot on. I'm feeling smug. (laughs) (laughs) Did you put anything on it? I did it, actually. (laughs) Um, But you're right. Those are the games you have to be winning if you want to get top four. 
Yeah, and um, you know, less themselves are now, you know, Vardy. I mean, he's looking in good shape at the moment yeah. as well. No, I was and reading it, it, that he a... got his best preseason stats in around 10 to 12 years. So that shows the physical nick that he's in. So he was looking very, very sharp. And he's able to have a break as well to really mm. okay, get, yeah. get himself into the new season. And, uh, you know, Chelsea, they'll probably be looking, can they get their transfer ban overturned? They've got one window that left in January. Can they? How's that looking? It? Well, yeah, well, Man City have just avoided a ban, yep. but their severity of their case wasn't um, as great as the Chelsea one. Uh, also, City were admitted to their wrongdoing, so were able to ne- okay. negotiate okay. just a fine. Whereas, um, what is that under the table payment? Some people question how low the payment is uh, compared with their resources, but with um, with Chelsea, perhaps the fact they just served one of it. One window of the ban means the fact that hope they'll hope that's taken into into context when they are going f- continuing through the appeal process. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I suppose we could have a whole counter like who could they have signed had it not been yeah, for the yeah. uh, ban? I mean, given some of the players that were obviously been linked with incomings into the into the Premier League, it would have added another dimension. We'd be talking, we'd have been talking about Coutinho. We'd be talking mm. about um, Dybala. So Even Zaha. Yeah, mm. well, exactly, yeah. Mm. So it um, yeah, probably just took that one extra element out of the frenzy of the, the window. So just a final um, question on the game or final thought. Out of the two teams, who do you think is better equipped to finish in, in the top six? And one more question is, how many of those Chelsea players get into the Leicester starting eleven? I would love to hear your views on that. Both of you can do it together, or Rob, you can take it. Dead. Yeah, I, I like, yeah. Looking at their Chelsea yeah. eleven right now, I think Jamie Vardy or Chelsea's get into Leicester. You're talking about? Yeah. How many of the Chelsea players yep. get into Leicester's team? N'Golo Kante. Yep. Uh, Rudiger. Are you talking about the team that played yesterday or squads? Best 11s. Yeah, Rudiger. He's still trying to really. Established himself now. At the time, Zuma, Zuma was looking impressive yesterday as well. Yeah, he that's, played uh, well. You know, and you know who do you? Yeah, they'd certainly want Vardy in. You know, in the options at Chelsea uh, side. So uh, is, is that all you're telling me? Kante. <laughs> <laughs> I need to see all of the elevens, yeah. but I think yeah, Kante will get into it. Um, Kepa. Um, that's debatable. I'm mm-hmm. still the jury's still out for me with Kepa. Mm-hmm. Um, Emerson. Not better than Chilwell. No, no. Pereira is a top, top right back as so, well. I won't swap him for Aspilicueta. Aspilicueta is on yeah, the downward spiral. Yeah. Um, what about the centre backs? Definitely, you would take Rudiger in yeah, there. Yeah, Rudiger. Correct? Yep, and, yep, yep. And then in terms of the midfield, let's say the two holding midfielders. Who are you having? Okay, Kante takes one. And then you're probably having Ndidi, Jorginho. I, I, I think I will take both of them. Yeah, this is. I think this is now Jorginho's. Mm time in terms of this season this is where we can now judge him is 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 this rob can i can i ask you something yeah as you journalists do you guys have an agenda on Jorginho? i'm going back to last season because you guys love kante (laughs) you guys were like kante needs to play in this dm role kante needs to play and the irony is frank lampard is playing kante in a box-to-box role and and Jorginho is still in the same position and you guys are now saying Jorginho has been excellent and Kante is flourishing. So does that mean that you guys were out for Sarri? So certain players can suddenly become symbolic of issues around <laughs> clubs. And the question is, because journalists spend a lot of time together, do you end up having like group think it all becomes mm-hmm. like the same narrative? While not intentional, you just start to sort of talk around the same things. I mean, you also have to wonder also how you judge your managers. Do managers get an easy ride depending how communicative they are with okay, the media? Yeah, yeah. You know, you go to Newcastle because Benitez was uh, always knows how to get the media on board. Does that mean he's sort of seen as the, uh, um, you, know, you know, you can do no wrong, as in yeah. it's all against the ownership? Yeah. Uh, whereas you have someone like Sarri, who's a bit more um, stubborn, a bit mundane, you know. Um, obviously, there's the language issue, which is more reflection of us and. The fact we don't really grasp languages <laughs> um, to actually perhaps engage with them in Italian. And um, do managers get an easier ride if they basically fill lots of copy? <laughs> yeah. Which which is something that, <laughs> you know, we do often talk about actually around managers. Actually, we're we just judging him because he's 
filling lots of words. Um, but then actually you realise some managers might actually just talk a lot and they're not actually saying <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. very much at all. It's just yeah. lots of uh, words. I mean, so, some, I was at Women's World Cup. Some, you sense from afar, some people were suggesting that maybe we were too soft on Phil Neville because he was actually a good communicator <laughs> and the fact he was very engaging with the media. And then, you know, then we talked about that mm. amongst media. Um, no one can really think there was moments when, um, you know, wasn't challenged if necessary, but it's interesting how the perception is from afar. <laughs> okay. Also, adding to that mm. question, what you are, I also think a contributing factor is Kante has started the season very, very well in midweek yeah, but, against yeah, Liverpool. But you can argue that Sarri improved him. Yeah, maybe we're seeing the results of it now, but we have to be honest, his attacking play has improved from what I've seen so far this season. Mm. Last season, going forward, he looked like a fish out of water. <laughs> and now, you can see him, he looks more cultured, he's dribbling. I mean, the way he skipped past Fabinho midweek, I was like, wow. Even yesterday as well, he improved his performance. Mm. So, I think it's a bit of a nuanced debate. I think you have to look at last season, it's like, this is the best DM in the world and you're shifting him. Mm. Now... Obviously, Jorginho is playing in the same position, but Kante has added more layers to his game. So I think that puts another, you know, span in the works. There was one moment, I think Kante was through on goal yesterday. And yeah. completely yeah. wasted oh. the chance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Didn't quite have the confidence of uh, shooting there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a reason. A lovely Don't leave him so advanced. It's a lovely block from Fuchs. So. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. Going on to the big game of the weekend. I know this is a topic that you're well involved in, but let's talk about the game first. Then we're going to talk about the VAR incident. So the game I'm talking about is um, the Man City Tottenham game. So Dej, start us off. How, how do you find the game? Yeah, it was a very, very interesting game. It's, I'm not sure if uh, Rob's played the game. Football manager. I mean, these are the games that have occurred several times. <laughs> you're winning. You're having lots of shots on target. You're like, how am I only winning 2-1? And you know, you get sucker punched. And you, you think, think yeah, this, this game. game's going to cheat <laughs> yeah. me. And those are the ones where you just turn it off. You don't save it. You just turn it off. <laughs> but... Yeah, 30, 30 shots, 10 on target. Tottenham, they were, they were like sitting ducks. They were waiting to be put out of their misery. Even in possession, they didn't really look like they had an idea. And that man, Kevin De Bruyne, I mean, what a player. He knows how to put the ball on his sixpence. And we saw Raheem Sterling in the goals again. Again, it was a bit of poor defending mm. for me as Kyle walker Peter. He had a good game. I yeah. thought he was going to get pumped, mm. but he actually had a good game. But can I be a cynic? Mm. Is it me, but... Mm. I don't think Man City were amazing. Bar the first 20, 25 minutes, mm. I would probably agree with you. They weren't uh, at their uh, ruthless uh, best. Sorry, Rob, go on. I was going to say, it, it was a day of the expected goals coming out there and it being judged against uh, the stats. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> City, like 30 shots, <laughs> yeah. target, or 30 shots, and um, really dominating on the stats, but mm. unable to... You know, convert it into the game itself. But yeah, when 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 I, when I talk about Man City, I just want the listeners to know that I'm judging them to a very very high standard. So I'm not being critical of them. I'm just seeing them as the best, and I expect the best all the time. But from what I, you know, garnered from that game is that I didn't see Loris make any world class saves. I don't remember him being really tested or saying, "Wow, how did Man City not score that?" So. Or, or with Loris, sometimes there weren't any uneasy moments where you think, yeah, will, 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 yeah, will, yeah, will, will he like, actually wow. stop it? And, and, and after a while, I think, like, I said it, like, after after 40 minutes, and I was like, this is a bit predictable. Bernardo Silva was stuck on the right, didn't have a great game. And every time they were just giving the ball to De Bruyne, De Bruyne crossed this ball and, and hopefully we score a tap-in. So I didn't... I understand they were impressive, but the way people are talking about them, that they've dropped the best performance, the premise scene in like the last couple of years, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't sold on that. Yeah, it's all very well having that domination if you're not actually uh, doing anything with it. I meant De Bruyne obviously How was shown exactly what we expect of him. Mm-hmm. That's the, um, that's you know the pinpoint crosses and the, you know probably helped the fact you mm-hmm. know he was um, able to sort of get through. Spurs defence like that. I mean, the fact Jan Vertonghen wasn't playing as well, that was it. That that is an interesting one. The fact at least he made the bench. Yeah, that's progress from last week. You know, because that was something that was really a bit of a cloud over the opening weekend. The the Vich over Villa, like, what's he doing in the stand? And Mm. Pochettino was a bit sort of vague over why he wasn't in the plans and, uh, you know, and should he be in there over Davison Sanchez? 
I would think so. I like you know, Davidson so Sanchez. Yeah, like, I'm a Sanchez big, is a bit... Uh, he's I'm got a, a bit of stake in him. Yeah. yeah. But, I'm a big uh, yeah, fan of good, him. I'm a he's big got fan all the assets for sure. But then, of course, Spurs have still got this unsettling uh, end of the European window yeah. now. The fact Ericsson did start means at least you might think, oh, there's a bit of confidence he might mm-hmm. be um, staying because he's good for the Premier yeah, League. Yeah, but he you dropped... Uh, he didn't play well. That's the problem. Yeah. He looked like he was half-assed. Like, get me out of here. That's, that's the kind of performance I... I saw from him. But in terms of the game, we can all agree that Man City should have won that match. Of course, yeah. You, you mean because the goal should have stood? Or? No, in terms of 90 minutes. In <laughs> yeah, terms of yeah, 90 yeah. minutes played, we can all agree that they should have won of that course. match. What do you think of... It, of sorry, go I on. I was just saying, though, in, if you, people might forget the final weeks now of the season last year. Mm-hmm. The fact that well, there, were, there weren't many convincing City performances. It was mm-hmm. really quite mm-hmm. uneasy getting some of those wins in the final months month or so yep, well they yep. were completely blitzing opposition mm. obviously actually I was watching the company goal again today because I was like <laughs> weighing it up yeah. against it was the Pushkas Awards okay, okay it, nomination yeah, yeah, just yeah, coming yeah, out they came out today yeah because actually I was looking at the, the Andros Townsend goal mm. and thinking oh, that was great but actually wasn't companies better and it was a more important game more and actually I watched it mm. back but actually no the technique was far better on Andros Townsend it was like a um, it was a you know Great goal, mm. but um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. With, with City, we forget actually it was a bit of a grind in those mm. uh, closing weeks. Didn't, I was at the game, I think they fell behind at Brighton, didn't they, on the final day yeah, of the season? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, um, mm. yeah, I, yeah, I, I think we, we I, haven't even touched yeah. on Spurs. If we're looking at their performance, to be honest, I don't think they've done much to get a point in possession. They were very ponderous, it's like they were just passing just to stem the tide of the attack. Then when they get pressed, they'll just launch it long. And Harry Kane cut an isolated figure. He had no Barely service. Touched the ball. No service. So I think the remit from Pochettino was just hang in there. Let's see if we can stem the tide. And ultimately, in the end, it got them a point and an undeserved point. I mean, it happened in the first game against Villa. Although he got the uh, the goal was in the first half, he didn't really struggle to get a look on. Yeah. You know, to actually is his ankle? Is his ankle? Uh, is there a problem with it? Nothing that we know of, but you're always, <laughs> <laughs> if it's on your mind, you don't want to sort of yeah, get that yeah, as well. Yeah. You know, you know how how involved you are at times. It's a bit of a concern for him. Um, I just want to um, shine a spotlight on on the goalkeeper Edison. I think he was partly to blame for the first goal. I think poor positioning. What's what's your guys' take on it? Was he blindsided? He couldn't see it, or do you just think it was a poor error? And you will, you know, openly admit that 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 was one that he should have kept out. You know, it's, it's, that was one of his big moments in the game. Mm. That you know, deciding you've really got to be on alert for that and to actually you know protect your team as mm. well. Because I remember there was a game last season immediately in the aftermath of the Champions League tie, where they played each other in the league, and Edison dropped one of the best goalkeeping performances I've ever seen, and he literally won them the title that day because they should have dropped points against Tottenham. Mm. I just feel like yesterday, maybe it's just an off day. Yeah, I thought it was um, poor keeping. I mean, when they show the camera angle from behind the goal, you think, oh, he's whipped it round where the ball starts <laughs> outside the goal and curls in. But this was a central effort. So you have to say his positioning was, you know, at fault. And, you know, Tottenham, the, the stats were really starking. I mean, three attempts on goal. One was the Harry Kane effort from the halfway line. <laughs> the one where he tried against Juventus and scored. And the other two were goals. So, I mean, Tottenham's luck was in yet again. And I know we're going to touch on Tavar now. So. so, what about the second goal? Do you guys feel that Edison could have done a bit better? No, I thought that was just good attacking play. I mean, the way Lucas attacked the ball, mm. I don't think he could have done anything about that goal, to be honest. Okay, so now let's fast forward. The 90th <laughs> minute, I think Rob should take this one. How do you guys in the media feel about VAR? Yeah. Well, I mean, I wonder if anyone watching that game, certainly not on the pitch thought that the goal could be ruled out. Mm-hmm. Uh, City are celebrating. When I was watching on television, if you were watching, no one was thinking there's anything in that. Mm. You've really got to slow it down to actually spot the infringement. The thing is, if you're going to have VAR, then you can microscopically analyse every moment in, in, to check the law is being applied. Did you see um, Hugo Lloris as well? When he was like, what's happened? <laughs> he was laughing. Is he it was for us? <laughs> is it for them? Is it free kick? Is it penalty? He, he, was, he was perplexed. Mm. Are you a fan of it, Rob? I am. I think it will all work out in its time. And maybe the laws are now catching up. Uh, people, People's understanding of the laws are sort of catching so, up with it. Mm. The fact you're suddenly realising uh, now they're all being 
judged in this very fine detail. And mm. it's obviously confusing because VAR's coming at the time exactly as a new handball mm. law's coming. I think, I don't know, maybe you can call me a dinosaur, Rob, or out of date, but VAR, I'm not the biggest fan of it because of the lack of consistency. It's how it's applied. And, and maybe this is not a VAR issue and maybe this is a ruling issue, but in terms of handball, how can you penalise the attacking team mm. every single time, but there's leeway for the defensive team? It just doesn't make sense. That's not a consistent rule. E.K. Mm. Gundogan came out, he was scathing, saying mm. that this rule needs to well. be changed. I mean, it says... Mm. You, can't, you can't say, oh, I was too close, or oh, I was a mistake, so we can't give a penalty, but then you penalise the attacking team for having a handball by accident and scoring. So it, and it's like, it, how, much, how much advantage is it given? Mm. And they're sort of removing this grey area mm. or, you know, Mark Clattenberg would talk about the fact you want to put your own, not impression on the game necessarily, but you can read the game mm. and, and actually use common sense, mm. which helps the flow of the yeah, game. Yeah, but then, well. then where do you draw mm. the line? Yeah. Okay, referee, in your opinion, common sense is X, Y, Z. And in someone else's opinion, that's not common sense. So where, where is the fine line? How are we going to get this balance? And they wanted to change the law to remove this sort of intentional discussion was it intentional or not and someone was messaging me yesterday saying well it didn't you know they were basically they're already in possession anyway mm. so they didn't actually gain possession as a result of it mm. and um what, what they do tell the var to do is watch it again in real time first because particularly when you slow things down generally you view things differently when it's mm. in like it looks much slow. worse yeah so yeah and, and actually something else interesting mentioned to me particularly in light of um, some other instances that referees look at when looking at handball mm. in the um, penalty areas is looking at, is the fist clenched okay. as, as the ball's coming towards you? Because if it's clenched, it shows like you're expecting something. Okay, yeah. So, and now because of VAR, they can then look up the replay. Was it okay. clenched? Mm. Um, because you're sort of reacting and mm. waiting for it. Whereas if it's not, then it, it shows it might just hit you unexpectedly. And it yeah, also clearly says in the law 12 of the IFAB laws that the following handball situations accidental will be resulted in a free kick if the ball goes in after it's come off the attacking player's arm. So it says it in the law. So these laws have to be implied. Whether you think it's fair or not, that's the rules. That's why we brought in VAR. Okay, but Rob, my problem is Rodri was wrestled down to the ground. By Lamella. By Lamella. What's happening? We're left in the lurch. It's what not a clear to... and obvious error. It is. It it's is. Not... You've literally been grappled down to the ground. How is that not a penalty? And... I don't think the contact was stern enough, but that's for the referee. No, and actually, so fans have confidence in the technology. Post-match, hours afterwards, next day, we've got to be getting proper explanations. There needs to be debriefing the fans on this. Play us the bit of audio. Don't necessarily give us like live audio during the game, but let us into the world of decision-making so we can understand more. So do like a Monday or Tuesday debrief of all mm -hmm. the key decisions. Put them online, put them on the Premier League website, talk through them. And also by doing so, we'll understand not only the laws more, but how referees interpret them. And also it helps going forward. Mm, definitely yeah, because, agree with that. Because we hear a lot of people um, at stadiums are saying that Especially at the, um, I believe at the, the Man City Tottenham game, they were like, no one knew the decision. Um, until the Tottenham fans started cheering, no one knew what was going on. Someone literally apparently had their phone on to try and find out what's going on. So how does it feel when you're at a game and your a VAR decision is being, you know, looked at? Like, do you know what's going on? So I was at the first major tournament where we used it, the Confed Cup in Russia in 2017, mm. and it was chaos. You're sitting in the stand... <laughs> And you don't have a clue what's going on. <laughs> and actually, ITV had the rights to the tournament and they were doing the commentary of television from London. And I would actually be listening to it sometimes on a feed. Okay, yeah. And speaking to afterwards, they had so little communication as well, being further away that you sort of don't know what's going on. Fast forward now, and I think it's improved a lot more. So I think in like the opening weekend when I was at um, West Ham, Man City, okay, yeah. the fact you see clearly on the screen that checking something mm -hmm. uh, the review so they're reviewing so this is the, the technical <laughs> language yeah, yeah. a lot of things are checked in the ear yep yeah the I review like that. Mm -hmm. is like the full when they yep. do the, the yep. screen actually I'm amazed we've had no players booked yet for doing the, the, yeah, the, the screen yeah. symbol Rob, is it me but I feel that 
whenever there's such a big appeal from a team so for example man city they were incandescent they were saying yeah that's a penny that's a penny that's a penny i feel that the ref on the pitch should have a second look if there's such a strong appeal from the players, the ref has to have that second look. I'm sorry. And it's this whole thing like, should there be manager calls? Should you actually get a chance to, oh, yeah. to exactly. have it? Uh, Sepp Blatter wanted it. <laughs> got thrown, <laughs> the, the idea got thrown out. I mean, actually, you mentioned IFAB. A lot of people might not even realise how IFAB operates or where it exists or what it does because it's this term we sort of hear. I've actually been to quite a lot of IFAB meetings in recent years mm. and people would be very surprised if they saw what they were or knew <laughs> what they actually were. Are they based in Scotland? Or? Well, the meeting rotates between the four British nations and Zurich, where FIFA are based. There are eight votes that are people sitting at IFAB meetings. Mm-hmm. Four of them are held by FIFA. The other four are held by England, Wales, Scotland and Northern okay, Ireland. Yeah. You need six votes to pass a law. So if FIFA agrees on something, four votes, all we need is, say, Wales and Northern Ireland mm, to yeah. agree with them and the entire laws of football have been changed. Wow. Um, I think it's got better in recent years, um, since, particularly since the Sepp Blatter era as well. They do at least bring some other, not even just countries, but confederations in. You will get South Americans who actually are allowed an input into the laws of the yeah, game they yeah. play. Um, you've got David Ellery, who's like the technical guy who's actually in charge of the, a lot of the laws, which you mm. know has upset quite a few people with some of his revisions. But yeah, they, they, they meet on a Friday and Saturday somewhere mm. in some hotel. Um, it was in Aberdeen this year. I was there mm. and it's a small hotel. And yeah, I saw the room on your Twitter feed as well. So yeah. Yeah. And, and then you know, Gianni Fantino comes out, talks through the decisions mm. afterwards. A lot of Scottish journalists were actually just asking about some Scottish issues, <laughs> you know, naturally. And then David Ellery gives us this like, long briefing afterwards where he's doing silhouettes in front of us trying to explain the, the, the changes <laughs> to the law. And I'm accidentally calling it VAR and he corrects me to say, no, V-A-R. Really? Um, and yeah, so this smallish body helps to determine... The laws of the global game, global football, yeah, yeah, and obviously over recent years, you know, we had the one year the approved test with technology, then they'd pull back on it, then they'd say, oh, actually, we're keen on technology again, and obviously we're now in that phase where it is. So um, yeah, it's uh, not so, it's not some huge institution mm-hmm. that's deciding. So are you a fan? Of are you a fan of VAR? Yes yeah, no? yeah, VAR, should we say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you know if we if we go back to Lampard 2010 and just mm. why we had this like impetus for technology. Mm. Ultimately, you don't want teams um, losing a World Cup final based on an error. And actually, if you think as well back to the Thierry Henry handball, mm. FIFA did a secret deal with the Irish. So they gave them a $5 million uh, loan as a result. Is this, a, and is this on record or... Yeah, 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 which only emerged in like five or so years years later. So ultimately, you know, countries and teams can complain financially if like the laws haven't been applied or something's been missed that costs you a place at the World Cup. So ultimately, no one's really been talking in recent months or the last few years since VAR came in about the VAR making some big mistake. It's almost like too rigorously applying the laws like on Saturday, not like or not completely missing something or getting something wrong i'm a big big fan of um var to be honest i mean i think the referees need as much help as they can all that's gone out of the game is benefit of the doubt right now with var it's either it's completely right or it's completely wrong if we're dealing with millimeters and Mm. like microseconds then if they're going to be so picky with offside and all these kind of Mm. you know things then surely when the ball is kicked, they need to monitor that to the microsecond as well. And I don't think that's happening. For example, there's a point of contact where your ball, where your foot is literally stuck to the ball. So where, where do you judge that? Because that can be the, the, ulti- you know, the ultimate factor to deciding whether someone's offside or onside. For example, if you rewind it just a split second, the person could be way onside. So and, how do we judge this? And, and the old things people talk about, give advantage... Yeah, but to, the, not, to the attacking player. I mean, but that's it did gone. Not that's seem, gone. It's gone. It didn't seem fair, the fact that the armpit cost Sterling at West Ham. Mm. I mean, so it Rob, was clearly wait, not <laughs> intentional. Of course. To be okay, so wait, Rob. So I mean, when are we monitoring 
offside or onside? Is it when the ball gets kicked or the minute your foot touches the ball? Because that is a lot of microseconds. It is. And actually, at this last IFAB meeting in March, after this day of so many changes to the laws, I was joking, you know, just talking around saying, what are you going to do next? And the offside, you've got to have something else big to basically change because you seem to like to change lots of things and they were sort of being more cautious no we're not going to look at offside but actually it's emerged a lot of people now saying do we need to look at offside again now it's being analyzed that millimeter rather than actually is it you know it's not some goal hanging attempt rob i'm falling out of love with the game it's just been implemented this season there's going to be teething issues and i think over the years they're gonna you know correct these issues Mm. to be honest i just think that with this offside thing you're opening a whole can of worms but let's let's move on um i would say this was the surprise result of the weekend i'm not sure if you guys will agree with me but norwich free Newcastle won. What, what do we feel about both teams? Do we feel that Norwich are better equipped to stay in the Premier League this season? Do we feel that Newcastle are going down? And what's your take on Steve Bruce, Rob? Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's interesting that Newcastle didn't actually get a win last season until November in the Premier League. People forget that very quickly. Yeah, so it's not like Benitez was this uh, complete messiah. Um, you know, at Newcastle, the fact he was delivering endlessly brilliant results um he did well politically to make himself out to be the, the what, one what's your take on badly um <laughs> you know he was operating in very constrained circumstances there at newcastle and there is one argument that actually mike ashley's done well to stabilize the club in 10 years from it had a lot of problems with debt and the financing and it's not a very ambitious strategy because you're not winning cups you're not um you know, getting into Europe um, necessarily, but as a cl- as a business, he certainly stabilised it. But that comes at a cost of ambition in terms mm. of what the fans can actually enjoy. And you know, the fact Rafa kept them up, mm. and you know, they so, asked for that. Is that? But the way he handled his departure, mm. he, he's got a great financial package now in China. Mm. But he p- painted it as being forced out of oh. Newcastle mm. and all being against Ashley. And there's far bigger issues with Mike Ashley and his own sports direct empire as well. Yeah. Um, in terms of the game and in terms of their summer activity, for me, I, I said it on the first weekend of the season, I'll be very, very shocked to see three worse teams than Newcastle. Dej, take me away. What, what do you feel about that? Well, I mean, we had Miguel Delaney on the platform and I was giving him an indicator that I think Joe Linton <laughs> could be maybe the worst signing of the summer because... When I look at Newcastle's team, I mean, Steve Bruce, for me, he's a championship manager. I mean, even after the game, his interview, I've seen it so many times down the years when he's taken teams down. Oh, yeah, we were poor today. And another big thing that came out after the game was that he was going to take the players in for training on Sunday. I mean, when that starts happening, alarm, but when that starts happening at this stage of the season after two games, it does, it looks a bit bleak. But going into the game, I mean, Norwich. They played Liverpool last week and they gave a very, very good account of themselves. I mean, it's always difficult going to, you know, a promoted team for their first home game of the season. And they've got a finisher in Timu Puki, the Finnish strike. I mean, he had a spell at Celtic where he didn't really cover himself in glory. But last season, I mean, he was racking the goals. He's got a different array of finishing. When you see him, he doesn't actually look the part, but it's the movement. His ability to get himself into, you know, tidy positions that really serves him well. And What struck me, sorry to to interrupt, but what struck me was the composure. Mm. You know, you see some players scoring goals and they're just thrashing it in Mm. or you can see that after a while that kind of luck is going to kind of run out because they don't seem composed. But he was taking... it seemed like he had 10 seconds with every chance. Well, at least we'll be able to get a good test of him when they play Chelsea this yep. weekend. Yeah, so yeah. that will be a real chance, you know, four in two games. Yeah, like yeah. One of the he, best starts up, but... for a striker in the, in the Premier League. And, uh, mm. you know, particularly because he did struggle at Celtic. Yeah, Yet now he's, you know, he's doing the Premier League. The mm, fact his stock is you know, so high uh, now. You know, I know a lot. Goals, mm, four, four goals in two, two games, games at amazing. Premier League level, mm. you know, for a promoted side. That is... <laughs> Sorry, how many goals do you think he will get this season? 10, 15? And if he does get those goals, do you think Norwich stay up? Yeah, because you need, you do need the goals yeah. to stay up, yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what will he get? You know, he's clearly you know, not going to keep up this <laughs> of course, yeah. form in front of goal going yeah. forward. You know, he'd be hoping for at least you know, a dozen or so, at least that. That's, that's the minimum. Yeah, I would say 12. Mm. I think he's going to get 12 goals. 
I just want to shine a spotlight on Cant- Cantwell, a young player for, for Norwich, and he was amazing against Liverpool. And I watched the extended highlights of the of the Newcastle game, and he gave Pukki two assists, mm-hmm. and he seems that those two have a great you know relationship. And I feel like he's a player that may go under the radar, but he's equally as important to Norwich than than Pukki. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he caught our eye. I mean, when we were playing against Norwich last week, obviously we're Liverpool fans. We're like, who's this number 14? Who is he? And it was Cantwell. I mean, his <laughs> collaboration play with Pukki is a, is a joy to behold. He tracks back and he looks like he's got a big, big future in the game. And Norwich, their team that produces a good conveyor belt of talent as well. So I think they're ones that are going to go under the radar. And I, and I actually back them to survive because the number one thing for a team to survive in the Premier League is to have a good striker. And they seem to have got one in um, Timo Pukki. It was quite interesting on the opening weekend of the season where uh, Karen Brady used her newspaper column to have a bit of a dig at Villa and all their spending. Okay. And basically saying how much she wants Norwich to succeed because they sort of okay. do things the right way. Yeah, and yeah. she clearly likes the, the ownership Delia. of Delia. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was quite surprised though as a fellow sort of Premier League mm. executive to have such a dig at Villa. Right? Although... Mm. You know, it's obviously not working out and, yet for and them. No, fair, nothing, Ham, no points in the ball. And West Ham so. don't cover themselves in much glory, <laughs> to be to be honest. Um, let's go to a, another team that have been promoted. Sheffield United beating Crystal Palace. I actually, again, I'm, I'm going to blow my own trumpet. I called that one correctly. I said it's going to be 1-0 Sheffield United. They've Mystic got the... <laughs> door, <isn't> it? <laughs> <laughs> got the win. Dej, I know you watched the game. How do you, how do you feel about that game? I mean, that was really, I was, I was catching myself snoozing at times in that game. I mean, it was quite boring, a game void of quality. Is that only me, but did it feel like a championship game? No no disrespect. I would go along with that, to be honest. It was really attritional in the final third. <laughs> it was hard work for both teams. I mean, Christian Benteke looks a bit of a shadow himself. <laughs> I know he's been dogged and ravaged with some, you know, significant knee injuries. So they seem to have taken his toll. I mean, Sheffield United with McGoldrick and Robinson up front there. They've got heart. They've got heart, but they're championship players that were being... You know, they remind remind me of Cardiff. Yes. I know they play a better brand of football, Mm. but in terms of energy, passion, you know, heart, I don't see much teams with with as much... I know they probably lack the quality, and that's probably why they need to make up for for that in Mm. terms of heart. But I feel that it's a great start for them, right? Four points from two games going away to Bournemouth getting a point that's a real real good result and I'm happy for their manager you know Chris Wilder he's a manager that's come up the football pyramid mm. he's a manager that's had to work for his position in the Premier League and mm. you know it's good to see them make that good start four points and um, he certainly hopes to get you know and he's getting a lot of credit for his overlapping centre-backs yeah, and, I, I know, love you know, it. I love and now it, he's yeah. seen as a tactical genius yeah, as well which is obviously you know yeah, it's good to see you know it's definitely good to see you know. Rob this is one for you just before we move on Wilfred Saha, has he chucked it in? Because he dropped a, a, a tepid performance. I get, you know, it's really difficult and you've got to have some sympathy. Imagine whatever job you're in and there's an opportunity dangled in front of you where you can get an opportunity to go to a, a bigger business on higher pay and getting bigger opportunities. And then it's taken away from you when you think you're going to get it. And mm-hmm. you know, Roy Hodgson was talking about it, about you know, it being something between the ownership and Zaha, but uh, I mean, at the same time, he owes a lot to Palace, not only for his start in the game, but then getting the you know the rebirth after it didn't work out United as well. But whatever situation is in, he's there till at least January, so he's got to get stuck in. And if he isn't performing, then any hopes for move then fade away again as well, because you know doubts will start to creep in. But um, yeah, we're just saying. You know, if Chelsea do get the transfer ban over overturned, maybe you know that will be uh, someone they're looking at. But he's got to perform. And also, you know, if I was a manager, you'd be looking at the attitude of someone when it mm. doesn't go their way, mm. whether it's the transfer and can they still show that motivation? Because at any point while they're on your squad, there can be a moment where again you might fall out of the team, and you're thinking, well, how are they going to react as a as a squad player? Uh, but yeah, it's going to be difficult. As we so focus so much on mindset now, and you know we've got to remember it is someone who his mind had been set on a certain way, and he was hoping for a certain opportunity, and now he's got to try to get over that. Yeah, I know Wilfred Zaha pretty well. Obviously, I've played with him in the Crystal Palace Academy, and he's an Arsenal, big, big Arsenal fan. 
So having that opportunity snatched away from him, that would have meant a lot to him. And obviously, I know he signed a new contract. People are saying, oh, if you wanted to go, why did you sign a new contract? But I'm under the impression that he made a gentleman's agreement with Steve Parrish that, you know what, I'll sign a new contract, but if this number gets hit, we will sell you. And I think there's been a gentleman's agreement that's been broken. And also what didn't help him was the fact that Palace sold Wan-Bissaka because they were coming out and saying that it's going to be one of the two. And obviously Wan-Bissaka going obviously kind of hampered Zaha's chance. And his frustration must, you know, be the fact that he's 26, almost going to be 27. Has he got much time left to secure this big move that, let's be honest, he deserves? And when you speak to Crystal Palace fans, they always say, you know what, he served us well. You know what, he deserves his big move. Let him go and, you know, show his wealth, worth elsewhere. Well said, Dej. Um, moving, <laughs> moving on. Um, let's go back to, into the top six. Um, Liverpool took on Southampton. Um, Liverpool were victorious with a 2-1 victory. Big win for them. Dej, how do you feel about that game? I mean, that's a game that needs little analysis because of their midweek exertions. Any performance Liverpool would have put in and get the win, I would have accepted. I mean, Jurgen Klopp has coined this phrase, mentality giants or mentality monsters. And that was in full display, you know, over the weekend. Mm. I mean, Sadio Mane wearing that number 10 shirt. I mean, we've seen a former Liverpool number 10 whipping an effort like that. You know, a la <laughs> Philip Coutinho, he got them off in a good way. Then, obviously, Liverpool spurned some chances, mm. you know. Bobby, Bobby missed one, Salah missed one, yep. So, Firmino, obviously, combined with Mane mm. again, and he scored, you know, to make it 2-0. Then, here came the error from, you know, Adrian. I mean, we forget that goalkeeping is a specialist position now. And if you're not good with your feet, you'll be found out. City have a good, you know, replacement in Claudio Bravo. He's decent with his feet, but he's a poor shot stopper. That's where his problems mm. come from. But, Adrian made the error, but... I don't want to be too harsh on him because this is a man that was a doubt before the game and he actually pulled himself together, you know, to play the to play the game. And, you know, another three points for Liverpool. You know, it marks, you know, a great start for them, mm -hmm. a trophy, two wins. And, yeah, then, you know, good good show of form. Yeah, that also was going to be a difficult weekend for yeah. Adrian as well. It's uh, also the reminder of why you do need that... Uh, to pay attention to the backup in terms of goalkeeper. But, but he's a good goalkeeper. Yeah. That's yeah. that's actually the problem. I know a few West Ham fans that said that his problem is basically the error that he made in the game. That's He's always capable of that. But as a goalkeeper, he's actually a good goalkeeper. He's a good shot stopper. I'm, yeah, I mean, that Super Cup uh, performance yeah. is going gonna, is gonna to live long in the memories of Liverpool fans. He'll be able to, you know, dine out on that. He'll be able to get his... Uh, mm. um, Corporate hospitality gigs for <laughs> many years to come. Yeah, play out on the, the on the rocky yeah, Adrian, yeah. Adrian, you know, and Klopp certainly knows how to sort of play to the crowd as well. Yeah, as of did course, in, of uh, course. In 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 Istanbul, w was but, you there? Yeah, you were. Did you go? Did you go to the game? The Istanbul no, Super I didn't, Cup no. Okay, okay. Uh, um, enough time out of the uh, country <laughs> in the summer. The women's walker. <laughs> um, where do you stand on this Liverpool team? I know there's been a lot of you know spotlight on the defence saying that the defence doesn't look the same. Where do you stand? Do you see them as a team that could potentially win the title? Or do you think this is Man City's title to lose, basically? It's going to be so hard to, to keep up with City again. And, you know, to have missed out by that single point is just, it, you know, it's it's so harsh on a team like Liverpool that performs so well through, you know, through, through the season has to mount that sustained run just to try to keep up with a side like City. But I suppose, that you know, they'll maybe draw inspiration from the laboured way City did go through those final weeks. And uh, a lot might come down to, you know, how far both teams progress in mm. Europe. The injuries that come up, the fact we've seen how the Allison injury yeah. can potentially have, you know, shifted how things are. The fact they were able to call on Adrian. Mm. Um, I mean, one of Liverpool's problems is going to be the fact that, um, you know, it's a very taxing and, demanding summer on their players at the um, mm -hmm. African, African Nations, Cup Nations and Copa America, Cup America mm. and very little turnaround in terms of yep. the break. I mean, some, you know, in like FIFA Pro, the World Players Union, suggesting the fact that, you know, does Alisson's lack of break have something to do with the injury he picked up? Yeah. The fact, you know, you're not able to rest the body uh, mm. for long yeah. enough. Apparently he played so. 72 games in, in, I think, last year in the 
in the season. So 72 games in total, which mm. is just ridiculous. And it was different for um, um, Gabriel Jesus, where yep. um, on um, Saturday he was seen as he was being punished for kicking the VAR machine at the Copa oh, America. Oh, yeah, yeah, I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> um, so, so let's, if Liverpool keep, let's say, their first 13 players fit, do you feel that they're capable of winning the league, Rob? Yeah, they definitely are. I mean, for them, nothing less than a top two finish can do. They have to be. With and, no investment? Investment sometimes is needed. You need to freshen up the squad. You need to maintain that competitive edge around the team by bringing fresh faces in. But if they're strong enough last season mm-hmm. to get the second place finish, mm-hmm. you know, I missed out by a point, then they've got the, they've got the depth there. It's just how they uh, can carry through the season. I mean... 30 years it will be. <laughs> uh, I've by, said it. By that, May. I've uh, said it that the solutions for Liverpool are in house, and I still stand by that. I mean, that front three is, I mean, it's a holy trinity. The way they can dovetail off each other. If one of, if one of them is off forward, the other two would deliver. I mean, Salah, I mean, he's put in a heroic effort. He's had, you know, his African Cup of Nations and he's come back to play 120 minutes. I mean, you could see that having effect towards the end of his, you know, time at um, <laughs> um, Southampton. He had to be subbed off. So. He was finished. Yeah, he was yeah, you're hoping for Brewster as well. It would be uh, for him. Uh, yeah. Final point on Liverpool before we move on. Um, I think this is a question for Rob. Um, Why not me? Because I'm going to be biased. <laughs> yep, yep, you're going to be biased. You're going to be very, very biased with this one. So it's two. It's a two-part question. One is, who has the better front three between Liverpool and Man City? And the second question is, who is the better player, Raheem Sterling or Sadio Mane? Sterling's really got a lot of confidence on his side at the moment. And he seems to be really spurred by this... Um by not only the the acclaim, mm. but also just seeing how far he can go in the game as well. I mean, you hope he's going to be someone who's up for World Player of the Year contention, mm. but a lot will probably depend on, um, you know, progress in the Champions League as well. Mm. You know, it, it, it's the year for City really to be judged more on what we do in Europe mm. than they do in England. They've really got to start producing those big results mm. in Europe and progressing. I mean, the fans have had an uncomfortable relationship with the Champions League at mm. time. But, you know, one reason they do have to go on and uh, potentially win it is they might be facing a ban from the competition. We're, we're going to go into that in part two. <laughs> but in terms of, that, but in terms of which, which the better front three would you want? I mean... Yeah, that Liverpool so, front three can be pretty just, devastating. Let me, let me make it yeah. clear. So when I say um, City front three, I mean Bernardo Silva, um, Raheem Sterling and Sergio Aguero and the Liverpool one picks itself. Yeah, I mean, City do have this issue between, as we saw, that's it, Aguero and Jesus. I mean, mm. it's how um, Guardiola manages that dynamic between... Um, and, know, the, and we saw, we saw what yeah. happened when mm-hmm. Aguero was subbed off. There was a confrontation... Both of them going hammer and tongue. So I suppose at the time we thought maybe maybe a bit more than a year ago we thought Aguero would he still be at City by mm. now? Mm. But he's actually continuous to show his, his value for the team and, and his longevity there. But the one thing that disallowed VAR goal did, of course, it allowed that embrace between uh, um, Guardiola. <laughs> yeah, that's the one positive uh, and Aguero, uh, and then they had their moment taken away from them. But they got the um, the reunion, the uh, the embrace, and. Um, but yeah, that was quite a vocal moment. Yeah, it was a big moment earlier in the game, wasn't it? Rob, you haven't answered the question. <laughs> yeah, what the better question for me would be, Rob, pick a free out of both attacks combined. No, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I want to get to the bottom of it. No, Rob, <laughs> who is the better front free? I'll go with the Liverpool front free. You'll go with the Liverpool yeah. front free. Yeah. Who is the better player? Of? Raheem Sterling and Sadio Mane. I'm going to go Sterling at the moment. Okay. So if you were to pick a joint front three, what would it be? <laughs> this is now putting on the spot, isn't it? Uh, how, how, how do we uh, go and combine how, However them? you it's, want it, uh, it's, Then you're sort of thinking, do we go with Salah? Or with, oh. um, at the moment, um, I mean, Aguero. I mean, mm. <laughs> it's, who are you going to get a complete season out of consistency out of? That's the thing. I'm, who, I'm, the, uh, me personally, I'm yeah. going Salah, Mane, Aguero. That's me personally, but I would want Sterling in there. Of course, that's the thing. I, I, I think <laughs> the, the way he's got the, you know, got that confidence mm. and got that, you know, those performances in him. He sees himself as a world mm. beater now, and I think that's I someone agree. you want. I, in agree. The I team. love him. I'm you so know, you happy. Can take for him. on anything, mm. and you know, proving a real threat. It's a... Let's let's move over back to North London, Arsenal. 
the only team to be two out of two um, with Liverpool. I know Man United are playing right now. I heard Paul Pogba has missed the penalty. Gary Neville fuming. Um, so yeah, Arsenal, 2-1 win against Burnley. What's your thoughts on the, on the game? Do you see a different Arsenal this season? So it's the first time in, what, 10 years they've started with two wins, but maybe it's a bit boring. What I did was, well, so what were the results last season? They beat Newcastle away and Burnley at home. So <laughs> it's, it's par. They've achieved exactly what yeah. they did last year um, in, in, in that regard. And, um, yeah, it, are they, are they going to make it back into the top four? Is the uh, key question? It probably, you know, depends on David Luiz. You know, does he? What's your take he... on that signing? Do you think it's a good buy? There can be uneasy moments with mm-hmm. him, and that's the thing. Which David Luiz do we get? And does he add that sort of um, established head in in the heart of defence, or is he going to be prone to the mistakes which can prove so costly? But then. The problem is Arsenal. It's just so early to to judge them. I mean, with you know Aubameyang on form, you know you really want to be getting goals, and you're really thinking we can rely um, on him for that. But um, yeah, there's, you know, I think Arsenal fans are feeling quietly Optimism. more hopeful mm. than last season. I mean, it was Emery's first season, so you can't expect him to immediately deliver straight away. And you know, there wasn't a complete despondency. You know, getting back in the Champions League has always been difficult. The fact they actually pushed it so hard to get into the top four when they seemed so out of it in January when mm. it was yep. at West Ham they lost and it seemed like there was absolutely no yeah, hope yep. at all. And the way they actually fought themselves back into contention to be still fighting with, what, um, like two games to go. But was it was those results against was it Brighton, Wolves. Palace, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it was like the... The seagulls, the eagles, and the wolves—that <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. All, all the animals that prove uh, costly for them. So, yeah, and, and then we saw that descent over the summer between the fans. There's always that uneasy tension yeah. between the fans and the ownership, and they believe that there should be yeah. more and more investment, even when they are actually investing in the squad. They, you know, the ambitions are never sated from the Arsenal fans. Mm. So, Dej, I, I want to, you know, throw the ball to you, um, Sabios. Um, home debut, man of the match performance. What do you What do you think of him? He looks good. Uh, yeah, he looks really, really special. I mean, when you speak to Arsenal fans, they say, "Oh, he reminds me of Santi Cazorla," and he draws all sorts of comparisons. But he put on a top, top performance. What you want from your midfield, attackingly and defensively? I mean, when you see him, he's got that aura of "I'm a Real Madrid player. This is my level," or "I'm even above this level." You know, some of the stuff he was doing. I mean, it was his contribution for the Aubameyang goal that really set him apart from me. It was a press. He tackled. He was running, working hard, and he assisted Aubameyang, and he slotted in. But it was just his general overall quality which really shone through. I mean, Meza Urzu was on the bench looking on. He must be wondering, how am I going to get into the starting <laughs> eleven? Because he really, really put in a top, top performance. I mean, it was that quality he felt slotted in very immediately. And, yes. you're, and you're thinking, oh, you know, he's... Mm. There's no deal to sign him permanently. That's <laughs> yeah. that's that's sort of easiness. Like oh, he's got personality. You know, yeah. He brings personality to the pitch, and you could see that in all of his glory. So, do you feel, you know, the next game is going to the you know the ultimate acid test? I will call it going to Anfield, evening kickoff. Do you feel this Arsenal team are better equipped to deal with Anfield than they were last season? Better equipped, but you still think that will be a Liverpool win, where it should be. Based on is that a convincing win or it should be a tight game? I think Arsenal it's fans will be though. happy to see a tight game. Maybe a 2-1 defeat, they can accept that. But what they don't want to see is another humiliation on the road. Do you feel that that can potentially happen or you feel that this Arsenal team have a bit more about them? I think what we saw on Saturday is that they should not be a team that has rolled over mm. um, at Anfield at all. Yeah, Would, I think I think to be honest, have you heard the murmurs coming out from Emery that he's not looking forward to going to Anfield? I mean, when you're sending that, you know, message to your team. It doesn't really read well. This should be a manager embracing it. Although he did say, you know, it's going to be a good gauge of where we're at. But when you're saying, I'm not looking forward to it, I think that really doesn't send a great message to the camp. No, he's not that sort of person who delivers big messages, you sense. He's not He's not delivering big speeches or, you know, necessarily mm. he's delivering these motivational talks, as it were. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this will be the test where we get to see what this Arsenal is like at the moment, what they can achieve, because they're going to be facing the 
their dreaded Thursday nights again soon. So this <laughs> yeah. is like the final bit of spell without having to enjoy Europa League. And they'll find out what in a week or so just where they're going to have to go. So yeah. It's, uh... Do you think they make top four? I think they'll still miss out this year. So who do you fancy? Don't tell me you're going to say Man United. Oh. Well, obviously Liverpool City. Yep. Um, Spurs, particularly after the investment, yep. will be hoping to finish third at least. And then it's like, who comes in fourth? And, you know, it's probably between United and Chelsea then. Wow, um, you, you think Arsenal are going to be sixth? Is that... Well, they can still finish fifth. It was between United and Chelsea wants to still end up in sixth. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to, you know. Um, but finally, score predictions for the Arsenal-Liverpool game? 2-1 uh, Liverpool. 3-1 Liverpool. It's going to be what interesting. Think, <laughs> I only see one winner. I only see one winner, to be fair. People yeah. I know are going to come out and say that I'm smug. I've got no respect for Arsenal. But I just see this Liverpool team, they're too strong in every department. They're better than Arsenal. So, to be honest, I see a comfortable 3-0 win for Liverpool. Fair enough. So, yeah, I'm just looking at the clock and we're deep into Fergie time. Um... So you know what, Rob? Yeah, we're actually gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna do what we usually do. So we have a thing called Prospect of the Week, and just to you know give you a breakdown, Prospect of the Week is not a good thing. It's basically a seasoned pro playing as if they're making their debut. So in terms of making mistakes, baggy touches on the ball, um, you know, error prone, riddled with mistakes, basically. So I'm going to start off with Dej so you can get a sense of it. And whilst Dej is answering, just have a think who had a shocker this weekend and make your decision. So Dej, over to you. I'm going to go with, this is a seasoned campaigner. I mean, he last season he was Burnley shot stopper. Over the summer he's moved to Aston Villa <laughs> and he was making his first home appearance <laughs> of the season. In within a minute, I mean, a player <laughs> ran through on goal. They tried to take it round him and he sticked in the most useless of toes I've seen. So avoidable. I mean, and he gave away a penalty which set his team off on the wrong mark and culminated in them losing the game 2-1. So Tom Heaton, wherever you are, I'm sure you're in the Midlands somewhere. You're my prospect of the week. Oh, so, wait, always wait. so harsh when the goalkeepers are so much in the spotlight. Rob, I'd like to, actually, someone who actually had a, you know, a good weekend was Pope. Actually, yeah. you know, he actually has some good saves and it actually got me thinking, oh, you know, is he going to get himself into England, England contention style. as things are, you know, going forward? So that's a bit too positive for me. <laughs> yes. As I'm desperately trying to think of, like, who to I've absolutely yeah, criticise. A... I mean, I think he's probably been prospect of the year. And I know I see Dead saying, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. And Rob, maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. that... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But the player I want to call out is Aspilicueta. Oh. I mean, he seems to struggle every game now, Rob. But just he, he's past it, and he needs to be shipped out of that Chelsea team as soon as possible. I know he's the captain, but you can't play on sentiment. He, he's finished. Well, they've had a thing with captain this year. Obviously, Cahill was captain, mm. and then struggling to get into the team. Is the Chelsea captaincy a bit of a, a poison chance yeah, as curse, well? Yeah, yeah. Um, so and maybe they're up. looking for leaders. <laughs> yeah, Rob, I know uh, you're, you're having a look. Yeah, trying to think of, uh, yeah, and I'm laughing, thinking through, like, actually, a lot of attention is going to be on Joe Linton, isn't it? You know, <laughs> can he, get, being one of their, their signings, is, you know, that is going to be a... Okay, uh, yeah, that's yeah, fair, we'll yeah, take that, we'll yeah, take that. Yeah. So, yeah, that's another episode of the Beautiful Game podcast. Um, be sure to follow the Twitter handle, that is podcast underscore TBG. I know you guys are going to love this episode. Rob put on an absolute clinic. Um, use the hashtag to join the debate. Hashtag TBG pod. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram, which is pod underscore TBG. Subscribe to us on Apple Music. I mean, Apple Podcasts. Spotify. <laughs> when when are we SoundCloud. doing the music? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might which, add that later on. Which is the Beautiful Game Podcast. Over and out. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Dej. Part two coming soon. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. 
But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.